Welcome to WaveCast, the official podcast of the Fisheries and Marine Institute of Memorial University. I'm your host, Eugenie, and today we are joined by two alumni to chat about their experiences in their programs and their career journeys after MI. Our first guest is Kate McLeod, who graduated in 2020 with a Diploma of Technology in Naval Architecture and who currently works for MI as a Student Liaison Officer. Back in 2016, when I graduated high school, I wanted to go to Monandu Engineering. So I went there and kind of did a couple engineering courses, and I found I needed something that was a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more technical. So I started to do some research, and I came across Marine Institute, and I was interested in the Naval Architecture program in particular because I had always wanted to work in the marine industry, and I thought the design of vessels was really cool. Yeah, so I grew up in St. John's. Uh, I didn't really have any family or anything that was in the marine industry, but I always just enjoyed going down and looking at the boats in the harbor. And I always was just interested in the inner workings of boats and shipping. And once I started to kind of look into everything a little bit deeper, I realized that it was something I was pretty passionate about. Mm -hmm. So you kind of combined your interests in engineering and then also this like past interest that you had or current interest of boats. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I guess that's what the Marine Institute does really well in all the different programs is they um, combine our passions for the ocean into something very technical and very practical. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely great to come here and be able to get hands-on experience right away. You, you know, in your first year of the Naval Architecture Program, you do a hand drafting course. And that was really interesting to realize how hard it was to do things before we had all of this technology, like AutoCAD and all these new softwares that they came out with. Um, So it just really gives you an appreciation of the way historically things have gone for the industries. Most people that I know that have come out of the program uh, have gone into working for companies that design boats for the government. Uh, So mostly it's been you know, the new Canadian Coast Guard ships uh, or the new Navy ships, things like that. Uh, For myself, when I left, I wasn't really part of new design. I was more so part of refit for older uh, Mm. Navy vessels and stuff like that. Uh, The only new design that I ever really worked on was a barge for a private company in BC. Um, And that was a lot easier to (laughs) <laughs> work on than a boat. A, a giant floating box is much easier than mm-hmm. a complicated boat that's going to have people on it. When I first graduated uh, back in 2020, I started a job right away. So I had a job right before I graduated, uh, right before the pandemic hit. I had accepted a full-time position in Halifax. So I did actually get the opportunity to move there despite the pandemic. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of in-person uh where everybody was working from home. But when I went, I was a naval architect. That was the title that I had. So we used to do a lot of experiments on the vessels, a lot of uh, trim and incline tests and things like that. And like I said, it was mostly refit. So if there were uh, something that they needed to implement into the vessel and it was already, some of them are 50 years old, uh, we would kind of have to go down and do all of the take all of the pictures and do a little survey and figure out, you know, weight distribution and things like that. 
And then after I left that company, I moved back to Newfoundland and I worked for Wood uh, there in St. John's. So I did piping design for them. So that was a little bit different again because it was for Hibernia. Um, I was part of the fabric maintenance team. So if there was, say, a pipe that had burst offshore and we needed to cut that pipe out and put a new one in, sometimes things were in the way. So we would have to kind of design around that. And that was a really big difference for me because I had always learned about structure. We don't do a whole lot of systems courses. So it was uh interesting. And um, my most recent position that I just left before returning to the Marine Institute was uh, actually in Boise's Bay Mine. Uh, So no boats at all. (laughs) There are boats there, but I was not working on them. And uh, yeah, that was completely different again. But one thing that the program kind of prepared me for was that even though it seems like a very niche subject, you can kind of apply everything that you know to anything really. It doesn't really matter if it's a building or if it's a boat. Mm. Um, you can kind of do it all. One thing about the Marine Institute is that if you have the passion for anything marine, I think honestly anybody can go anywhere here. Um, mm-hmm. Like I was just saying earlier, it's it's almost like every time you hear about a new program here or you experience, you know, you go to a new simulator you want to come back and do every single program here because they're all just so cool. Mm-hmm. That's very true. I remember when I came out of my undergrad and I was really anxious about what life was going to look like after. And I didn't really know. I didn't feel like I had the skill set to have the job that I wanted. And so I felt a bit anxious about that. When you came out of this program, um, were you worried about finding a job? Were you worried about like what your interests were? Like what was your mindset when you came out of your diploma? Yeah, I kind of felt like everybody seemed to have the same kind of journey uh, coming out of the program that I did. Uh, It all seemed like the same couple of companies and things like that. So while I was going here, I tried to kind of do research on companies that, you know, I didn't really hear about that often. Or sometimes you just, you don't even realize that a company would hire somebody like you and you just kind of got to dig around a little bit. Uh, One resource that I use very often is LinkedIn. Mm, I love LinkedIn. I think it's great. Uh, Every, besides the position that I'm in right now, every job I have, I have gotten since graduating has been from LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, the first job that I got out of school, it was, I had been following this company and I had a connection there. Uh, just, you know, I don't know if he sent me a random request or if I sent him one. Uh, and I seen that he posted that they were hiring for positions in BC for new grads. Mm. And I didn't really have an interest in moving to BC, uh, but I had you know, went in and researched them a little bit and seen that they were high or they had an office in Halifax. So I just messaged him on LinkedIn and I told him that I seen a posting and I was wondering if he would potentially hire for Halifax. And he told me to forward along my resume. And a couple months later, wow. I had the job. So and what was the timeline from when you graduated to when you had that like interview and job? So I started kind of looking into stuff right when I started my last year. So in my third year uh, in September, I started kind of just looking into companies, seeing where I would want to go, what I would want to do. And I had reached out to them in November of 2019. And then I there was two interviews with them. So I had to do uh, kind of 
introductory interview with the HR people. And then from there, they did a screening. And I think I had my second interview with them at the beginning of 2020. So by February of 2020, I had accepted my first full-time job and I was still months away from graduation. Um, Also, it sounds like LinkedIn, (laughs) everyone should go on LinkedIn and go request people and, and send them messages. I think that's really cool that you were proactive about that. And then you got the job that you wanted and in a place that you wanted, you know, you decided that you didn't want that location and you picked the other one. That's really cool. So then how did you end up at the Marine Institute now? And can you tell me a little bit about the role that you have? Yeah, so I was always very passionate about Marine since I started here. Uh, I was very involved when I was here. I did a lot of volunteering at different events or, you know, even just the open house I would like to come to and give tours to anybody. And I had honestly, I'd just been looking at jobs on the external postings and I had seen this one and I had known the person who was in the role when I went here and I thought that she had the coolest job ever and I said maybe I'll be interested in that Mm -hmm. so I had applied and um, now I have it and the position is student liaison officer so uh, basically I am going to be kind of guiding the student body through their post-secondary journey so you know new people entering from high school you know they might be a little bit nervous. They might not know how to register for their courses or they might have some trouble with math and they need to find a tutor or things like that. And then as well, um, just kind of keeping up the morale, you know, organizing some events for them, Mm -hmm. keeping things going, uh, which I think is a very integral part of your experience in Mm -hmm. post-secondary. One thing that Maureen does really well that I like is that it kind of makes it feel like a little community here. Mm-hmm, you don't very feel, much, yeah. you don't feel like just a number like you would at a big campus. Um, everybody kind of knows everybody. And if you ever need anything, there's always people that are willing to help. Do you have any advice for students that are listening to this who are interested in naval architecture? Do you have an advice for them getting into these programs? Uh, yeah. So honestly, if you just reach out to anybody who has either done the program or is in the program, uh, like say you're in high school and you think you might be interested, but you're not 100% sure, um, where Marine is always willing to, you know, just kind of take somebody in and, you know, show them like if you need to, if you want to go into the classroom with a third year student and just kind of see what they do, because mm-hmm. that's very interesting. The third year projects are incredible all the time. And, You know, at the end of the year, they have, um, like, I was unfortunate and I didn't get to have the final Mm -hmm. capstone kind of day, but they do have a day where, you know, you can come in and you can look at all the projects and you can watch their presentations. Can you tell me about the capstone projects that you guys did in your program? Yeah, so in the third year of the Naval Architecture Program, you do a project where it takes the entire year to do it. So basically everything you've learned from the first two years you uh, apply that to one vessel. So at the very beginning, you do uh, a state-of-the-art analysis. So you have to find a certain amount of vessels that are similar in parameters to yours. So you can't just make up like an entirely new vessel? No, not really. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Um, The vessel that I had chose to do was a little unconventional 
It was an orange juice tanker. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's basically a giant oil tanker, except instead of oil, it's orange juice. (laughs) We don't really learn anything about like refrigeration and things like that. So I had to, I had the task of having to come up with the inner workings of how the juice would stay between the certain temperatures. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just, it was really interesting. It was definitely unique. The thing about uh, tankers, especially like grain and stuff like that, is usually one, like from one port to another port, they'll bring one thing and then they'll load up on something Mm -hmm. and bring that back. Mm -hmm. But my problem was that I couldn't really do that because it was juice. So like you could only really bring it one way. So that was the other thing is that um, these ports, I had to try to find a port that was one, capable of holding my boat, and two, had the facilities to actually unload this juice. You basically have to try to find out every single thing about these vessels that you can. You need to know the name, what kind of engine they have, how much oil they have. Once you have the parameters of your boat, you have to go find ports that your boat can go into. One really cool thing that I found at the very, very end of the project is you have to figure out how much your boat's going to cost. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you Mm -hmm. have to figure out like uh, there's a couple different calculations that they give you and it's kind of just like a plug in your numbers scenario. And and how much was your orange juice tanker? I don't remember, but it was way too expensive. (laughs) Do you think it was because of the refrigeration? I think so, yeah. And And because it could only go one way? Yeah. Uh. It was very, um, it's a hard, it's hard to justify the cost of it when you can't carry anything back. (laughs) Thank you for joining the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Our second guest is Daniel Miro, who graduated in 2020 from the Ocean Mapping Program, which is a joint diploma and bachelor's of technology program. And he currently works as a marine geomatics technician for Amundsen Science. So let's start from the beginning. Did you always want to go into ocean mapping? I guess I'll start when I graduated high school. I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I kind of contemplated between a few different uh, different jobs. I, I looked at geology at first, um, and then I decided last minute that it wasn't for me. And I went traveling for a year. And I think it was during my travels that I decided I wanted something, I guess, exploration based. And that's what got me on the tail of uh, Marine Institute. And I saw that they had the ocean mapping program on their website. I had no no clue what it was really uh, mm. before I actually started the course. I can't say there was a definite inspiration that really told me, okay, this is the course I'm going to do. But I already knew, you know, there was a lot of math. Uh, I, I wasn't really the most interested in biology in high school. So I think it was more that idea of math, geology, exploration uh, that really got me into ocean mapping. We we did more of the in-class stuff throughout the year. And then when it would come to the end of spring, this is when we would start doing more of the practical work, which we did our technical sessions. These were my my favorite times. And I think a lot of students will say the same is that the technical sessions are are where the fun starts. You really get to, you know, operate the systems and you you get to see hands-on how a system is set up. All that theory you've learned throughout the year really comes into practice. So yeah. did they have it so the way that it's set up so it's a four-year program, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's changed a lot since I've been there because before what they did is throughout the whole course or the the four years 
we were doing some of the diploma courses, so some ocean mapping specific courses, um, and then also, you know, your general, you, we had to do physics, uh, electrotechnology, a bunch mm -hmm. of different of these general courses to give us the knowledge that we needed uh, mm -hmm. to, to learn the ocean mapping specific courses. But then at the same time, we were doing Bachelor of Technology courses, so for our degree, um, the way they've changed it now is that you do you do the th first three years all towards your ocean mapping diploma, and then that last year is when you do your bachelor degree in technology. Mm, okay. The bachelor degree it, it really prepares you to write technically, uh, to to write reports and to to understand how how the management of projects works, and so it's it's a lot of that kind of getting you ready for the professional industry. That nicely leads me into my next question, uh, which is, you now work with Amundsen Science, which is how we know each other. Um, so how did you end up working with Amundsen Science when you graduated? I I started Amundsen Science uh, through, they were uh, posting for some internships for Marine Institute students, and they had gotten a few of our students before. So I was in my third year. I still had one year left to do. I applied for the position um, as a basically a sonar operator on the Amundsen. So when once I did my internship, I just lucked out in the sense where uh, like the full time position became available as I was doing my internship. I basically just asked if I could continue. I I, I already knew French, and that mm -hmm. was a that was a big asset for for the job. So I actually started working part time during my last year of studies, and then once I finished at the Marine Institute, I moved to Quebec. And that's when I started my full-time position at, uh, at Amundsen Science. You kind of have two different jobs. Like in my brain, you've got like this office kind of job and then you have this really cool field job. I, I'd say you're, you're pretty spot on with it because I, I do feel like I have two different lives. Um, because in the first half of the winter, I'm usually processing our data from the summer or I'm doing QA, QC. So just checking, checking all the, all the multi-beam data to be sure that, uh, everything's accurate, uh, everything worked as it was supposed to. Then we create products that we will send out to the different scientists who are on board. And then uh, also we would send it to the Canadian Hydrographic Service as well for their uh, NONA data set, which is uh, their non-navigational data. Then the second part of the the winter, or now now we're coming into spring. This is when we we really focus on planning for the for the next year. I'll be doing a lot of planning work with different sites that we need to to collect some seafloor data mm -hmm. in, uh, and then also uh, I do have a lot of you know different side projects as well. So I'm trying to improve our database of of uh, sonar data. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just a bunch of extra things. Okay. And I, and I should mention just like as a recap for the listeners. So the, the planning that, um, Daniel's talking about is the Amundsen expeditions that happen every year where, uh, they do science up in the Arctic. Another cool thing about seeing you work because we don't really work together, <laughs> um, is that you have a really important job on the ship as well, because a lot of the places that we've been to haven't been mapped before. And so it's really cool because you have this like direct line to the navigational officers yeah yeah it would have been a good <laughs> idea to, to start off with uh, <laughs> exactly my my job but um well I guess this yeah this comes into there after our planning we'll plan all these sites and then I get on the ship as you said during the during the summer 
And I, I work in the acquisition room, which is near the top of the, the Amundsen on the ship. And uh, as you said, yeah, I'm, I'm always, we're constantly collecting new data on the seafloor with our multi-beam, uh, I guess for multi-beam nerds out there, it's a Kongsberg EM304. And uh, this is a deep water multi-beam system. So we can basically anywhere we're, we're at in the Arctic. So I'm constantly collecting data. And as you said, I can work along the navigational officers. And uh, we have all of our database of, uh, of multi-beam data where, where we have charts. And then we have actual seafloor data. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent. But <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the things I love the most from when I was in my course doing ocean mapping. You know, we, we didn't really know where we were headed, kind of what type of industry we were going into. Um, because there's many different opportunities, but I'm absolutely loving that, you know, I, I'm included in research um, so that I, I get to do all these different mapping projects that are, I, I could say, unconventional. You know, they feel they feel quite unique. And, mm -hmm. uh, I've really been uh, enjoying my uh, my time on board. My next question for you is, do you have any advice for someone who's thinking of, of going into the ocean mapping program at the Marine Institute? So I, I think I think my advice is really to yeah to go in and just just kind of be a sponge and take in all the different opportunities that you can get. I I would say that my my first I'd say job that I did towards it was it was less interesting, but it actually did lead to me coming and finding this job. So I I definitely think it, it's not always uh, the most amazing thing because you know sometimes you are stuck uh, writing reports or you're processing data for hours on end. And sure, it's 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 not the most fun thing at, at that moment. But I think I think it's that that bigger picture and being ready for for different opportunities because they, they come really suddenly, I find, mm -hmm. especially for when you're at the, the Marine Institute, because you're just getting all these different internship opportunities. And uh, sometimes it's easy just to be like, oh, well, I'm going to turn down this one because mm. the next one's going to be better. In my opinion, it's just to just take what you can get and really enjoy the opportunities. I think uh, sometimes people, when they're first starting, they can be picky if it's not necessarily the dream job that they had their like heart set on. But I think what you said resonates a lot for all sorts of different programs and careers that you can have where it's good to just put your foot in the door and learn some skills that eventually might help you get the job that you are really excited about. And there's always something to learn. So I think that that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think also if you do find, say, say you're in the middle of the ocean map mapping program and you do find something you are really interested in, the good thing about this program is that there's many projects that are self-led. So like you can kind of decide what you want your subject to be. Um, and so in my case, I actually, I got, I got really lucky with, I think my area that I ended up in because I was really interested in the Arctic. I think on my, it's, it, it started happening in my second year. I think it started happening. <laughs> it, it started, it started. You yeah. are infected with it. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> yeah. With the Arctic bug. I just really, I don't know what it was. There was just, it, it was just, I think that idea that it was so unexplored and, mm -hmm. and, uh, but I actually, yeah, I started doing all these little projects that we were doing, I would make my subject something Arctic related. And I think that really gave me a good kind of, it, it gave me a good base for for being able to, you know, speak about Arctic mapping and, and just, I don't know, just find my place. Thank you so much for talking to us on the podcast today. Oh, well, thank you very much for having me. 
Thank you again to Kate and Daniel for joining us on this week's episode. If you would like to get in touch with any of our guests, or if you have questions for future episodes, you can send an email to wavecast.mi.mun.ca. And finally, tune in next time as we chat with current students and faculty about their exciting new research. See you next time.